Welcome back uh, to episode three of Very Good Television Podcast. Uh, I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on Twitter. And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on Twitter. And today we're trying something different. We're, you, you might have noticed that the first two episodes were a little echoey and still managed to have traffic noises in the background because of our, our, our lovely placement of in, in Los Angeles office-wise. So we're trying out, this time we're recording in a different part of the office and we technically have what's we're going to call a live studio audience, which is to say, uh, all of our coworkers are listening to us do this right now. There's approximately six people in here trying to ignore us, but it probably won't work out. It probably won't work out, but we'll see what happens. Uh, we continue, as always, to be bold experimenters with the podcast format, which is to say we're talking about television on the internet. We're just trying to please everybody. I, I, I feel bad about the, the tinniness and the echoing in the other room, so we're going to keep trying things until we can make something work without, you know, running out of recording studio, because that's just, that's insane. <laughs> that is a little nuts. I mean, for, in, until, of course, we start making millions of dollars off right. this podcast. When you guys start sending in donations, then we'll start running a recording space. Speaking of uh, people sending us things, we announced the contest to just, you know, for the, we would send a prize to the first person who told us what the name of the podcast came from. And uh, the person's name was Daniel something, I believe, who got it first. Uh, ben is checking right now on the actual, the full, his full name. But we had a winner, like, almost right away, which was very exciting. Uh, for those who didn't know or knew but figured that they were too late to enter or knew but figured that they were too cool for school, uh, the name of the podcast, of course, comes from uh, the name of Ron Swanson's building company on Parks and Recreation. Absolutely, and it was Daniel K. who got that right. Congratulations to Daniel. He emailed almost immediately after we released this thing. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, he, he nailed it. So good, good job, buddy. Good job, buddy. We'll send you something. Yes. Uh, we had sent him that uh, beer stein, maybe? I don't know. Everybody likes steins. Everyone likes steins. That's true. Uh, so it's uh, been an exciting week. I just got back from South By yesterday, which was long <laughs> yeah, Liz, tell us about your your South by Southwest experience. Well, I got actually it was kind of it was it was a really great opportunity to uh, see some television in a different environment and kind of appreciate it outside the construct of the network environment, the networks, so to speak. Like you know, you're just kind of watching a TV show um, with a, and a, watching a TV show with a bunch of people is always really interesting too. Like you, the jokes land better. Uh, the theatrical experience means you're actually really paying attention for once. Uh, it's, it's all it's all it's all good. And I also got to talk to some really interesting show creators. Uh, you know, checking off uh, Rob, Rob Thomas has been someone I've admired for a long time, and I managed to sit down with an not sit down. We actually stood up in the back uh, back of the convention center uh, for a quick interview. That was great. Uh, yeah, it was it was kind of a nice uh, blending of things. Uh, the uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus panel on Veep was really fun. Julia Louis-Dreyfus was great, uh, but the real rock star of that panel was actually uh, uh, Sam Rich Robertson, I believe, who plays uh, her aide and who plays her aide in the Florida, uh, not Florida, Iowa episodes, and is apparently a, seri- a season a season regular in this upcoming season that's launching in April. Really funny guy. Uh, yeah. Even, like, the side characters are just hilarious. They do a great job of picking talent for that show and finding people who really blend in well with the cast, so I, I don't doubt that he was he was every bit of the entertaining person that, you, that you're that you talking of. Yeah. 
so how about you? How was any, anything exciting happened on your week? Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure everybody's dying to know or, or checked themselves already, but Iowa did get into the NCAA tournament. We were all uh, very concerned. We lost the game in the Big Ten tournament last week that you guys patiently let me watch while recording this podcast. But we're the seventh seed. We're playing Friday, which is three days after or before this podcast actually comes out. So uh, on the next podcast, I'll again update you on their on their success. But otherwise, I was just watching a lot of... A lot of television, like normal. House yeah. of Cards, The Americans, which is getting very, very good. Uh, Archer. Actually, all that. I want to check in with you about House of Cards because you, unlike a lot of people, are very, very slowly going through the season. And I, I was wondering, like, so you're about halfway through now, like episode six, episode seven? I think I've seen eight now. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to pace it so that I don't get ahead of the reviews that I'm writing. Right. Uh, you can check out those episode reviews on IndieWire.com and... So far, I am starting to see kind of the turning of the tide. Inevitably, I heard a lot of commentary about where the season went, without getting too spoilery, thank God, uh, but kind of what people thought about it, mm-hmm. what people, how the reactions were, and most of them seem to be skewing negative, not necessarily just trashing the whole thing, but definitely less excitement than after the first and second season. And the last episode I watched certainly left me with a bad taste in my mouth, which wow. was... Uh, when Claire and and Frank kind of made up and did a renewal of their vows. I just really didn't enjoy that after spending so much time getting ready for their fight and their fallout. Mm -hmm. And then it was just resolved within one episode. Felt cheated, so... I mean, but you haven't seen episode nine. Who knows what could be happening? I know. There could be more going on. It could have all been fake. He did not talk to the camera once in that episode, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Made it very insular. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm still excited to see where it goes. But I'm I guess I'm going in with wary expectations. I mean, and that's an impact of I guess that's a consequence of waiting to watch or being patient with it is that you are going to your experience is getting colored by other people's opinions. Absolutely. Every time I post anything about that show, somebody just responds with, "I love that character. I hate that character." Oh, that season was bad. Oh, this season was good. Like, something just Mm -hmm. kind of branding it overall, which is interesting to see without, you know, giving away the spoilers. So, thanks for that. (laughs) So, I think uh, one of the... I think we're going to do something different this week, uh, aside from our recording environment. We're going to start with talking about the best best thing we watched in the last week and the next thing we're looking forward to, uh, because we want to talk about Bloodline afterwards, and we want to fra- we want to make it so that you can hear our thoughts about upcoming and uh, other television shows before we delve into something that might get a little little spoilery uh, for you. So if you didn't watch, so uh, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Honestly, the best thing that I watched last week was The Americans. Um, the last two episodes, I mean, the whole season has been great, but the last two episodes in particularly have been exquisitely entertaining they have held back a lot of the the thrust and the and the and the not not twists but but big reveals i guess that have been they've been leading up to when a lot of people thought they were going to be falling out right now and yet somehow they've still made it incredibly tense and just utterly engrossing so I, I i love the americans i'm one of those annoying people who's going to keep telling you to watch it uh when you're not watching it i understand <laughs> that they're russian and i understand that's hard for some people to root for those characters but if you give it a couple episodes you'll understand that everybody's just human guys so that's a 
beautiful sentiment. Absolutely. I mean, is, do you think that's a real reason? Because, I mean, that show is one of the, the most popular shows you're not watching that critics tell you to watch. I think it's the. I think it's absolutely the reason it does not get any Emmy love because most of the TV Academy is an older generation who still went through the Cold War, who hmm. spent most of their lives watching entertainment where Russians are the enemy, and when you hear about that premise, it immediately turns you off. And I've actually, I mean, I've had multiple people tell me that's why they don't want to watch the show, and it's. I don't think it's a coincidence that all of them are over forty or fifty years old. Wow, interesting. Well, the best thing I saw was at South By, it was uh, the world premiere of the pilot episode of Unreal, Mm -hmm. which is a show you're probably going to actually hear me ranting about a lot coming up in the next (laughs) couple of months, which is, it's a, it's uh, it's on Lifetime, which it has its problem, which which is, which is honestly the most troubling thing about the show, but the show itself is fantastic. Uh... They basically, it's it's a not parody of not parody of a re, of reality dating shows, where essentially the point is is that this, you know, the main character is an associate producer whose job it is to get the stories out, uh, get 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 great television out of these women, and she's really good at her job, and it is killing her inside, and that's essentially the frame the the, the premise at which they come at the show. It's. Really, it's got some really great dark humor in it. It's got some great performances. I think it's genuinely really solid television, and they're just going to have to convince people who don't would roll their eyes at Lifetime to give it a chance. Lifetime is going through an interesting change right now because they're very consciously trying to rebrand themselves, but at the same time, they still put out of a lot put out a lot of questionable material. Right. So it's not. It hasn't gone to the extent where, oh man, I really have to take note of everything these people are doing all of a sudden. It's just kind of paying enough attention to pick and choose the right series or movies. Well, I think it's one of those things where I, I feel like Unreal is going to, when, when, when it get launches on either you know Netflix or Hulu or whatever, streaming site eventually pays host to it full time. Uh, after it after its run, like I think it's going to blow up because once you remove the lifetime confi- confines from it, it's just great television. And then, but of course, the problem is, is that Lifetime doesn't want that. Lifetime wants you watching Lifetime live. So you know, this could be this 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 is poised to become yet another tragically canceled situation. But hopefully, that doesn't isn't the case. Yeah, absolutely. I I would fully support. Everyone checking that out, I'll be sure to look forward as soon as I can. Um, I mean, it's a quality endorsement, Liz, like always. Well, you sometimes you don't trust me. That's true. Well, we've we've disagreed from time to time. Yes. So that's feel, bound to happen. At the very least, I would be very interested in your thoughts on the pilot. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I've always been willing to at least watch the first episode or two of something you're that excited about. So. Well, thank you. I mean, I'll get on it. Yeah. Uh, so next thing you're really excited about. The next thing I'm really excited about was what I talked about last week is uh, Mad Men, Season 7, the final season, 7B, mm-hmm. last seven episodes of 7. There's lots of different ways to put it, but I've had the good fortune to see the first episode. It is everything you want it to be. Um, obviously, that's not a guarantee that the ending is going to be everything you want it to be, but I am dying to see this unfold, as everyone is, and it's what will be top of my list for the next two months. <laughs> so, get ready for a lot more discussions on Mad Men, from when it premieres to when it ends its run, and I'm just a mess of tears. Aww. I'm 
I meanwhile am looking forward to Game of Thrones a lot more than I thought I would be. Um, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just some of the promo materials have gotten me remembering how much I like some of these characters and how, engage, how, how excited I am for some of the new stuff they're introducing. I mean, they'd have to, Liz. There's been 16,000 promos. Something has to remind you of something good about that show. Um, I will also say that I'm looking forward to uh, the premiere of uh, The Late Late Show with James Corbin, uh, because, if only because uh, we'll probably have coverage of uh, coming out next Monday, so the day you're listening to this, in theory. But uh, the I talked to the you know I talked to the people involved with the show a couple weeks ago, and the thing that's really interesting is that they really want to do what Graham Norton does on his show, which is bring out all the guests at once mm. and make it like a kind of cool, you know, hangout cocktail vibe. Uh, in fact, they have a bar on stage. Ooh, good uh, addition. Yes. And so it's a very, it's a very interesting environment. Uh, and the thing that really plays well is that when James Cord, uh, when, when uh, Graham Norton does this on his uh, talk show in the UK, it means that you basically have like Helen Mirren and you know the kids from One Direction or random celebrity pair-ups happen all the time, and it's always so delightful. Like you've got, you would never expect these people to be have a fun, be part of a fun conversation, but they totally do. Are they going to have uh, an almost like a character who is the bartender? Are people going to make they, their own drinks? They, they didn't have an answer to that when I asked them, uh, but you know, I imagine that's that's one element of the surprise. Heck, maybe they can have some celebrity bartenders come in. That yeah, be fun. I'm sure plenty of them know how to do it, how to make a few good cocktails. If you can get John Hamm on there. I mean, we know he can do it. We know John Hamm can make a good cocktail. He's been on Mad Men for seven years. Did he not learn how to make a cocktail? I mean, he gets served a lot at drinks. That's true. And he, you know, how much effort does it put, take to put scotch in a glass? Well, sometimes that's all you need. But yeah. knowing which scotch and that's, what glass and how many ice cubes is key. The ice cube thing is important. Uh, I once made a, I recently made a joke to a bartender about artisanal ice, and then he proceeded to lecture me about the actual reality of artisanal ice. Yeah, that's too far. I don't even think Don Draper would approve of that, but <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah. So let's move on to Bloodline, because uh, I finally watched episode one. I've only seen episode one, so that's all we can... So, But I, I, I really wanted us to make sure we could talk about it in a spoilery environment, because the ending of episode one is really so key to anything that that everything that that show is absolutely and they've they've gone so far as to put that idea out there that i, I mean it seems fairly well known at least among critical circles or what i've been re- reading about the show thus far that people know a big thing happens in that first episode and big things will continue to happen because that's just the way this show is structured but uh beware if you have not watched bloodline yet which premiered Friday uh, mm-hmm. before we're talking, um, so it's been out for three days now. Uh, don't listen to this. Yes, <laughs> this is the we're, this the spoiler line is here. Have a nice day. Thank you very much for listening. This is the only time we will tell you not to listen to us. Yes, but, but you yeah. should you, if if you have watched the first episode, continue, let's continue on. Absolutely. So they exploded that dude. They did. Uh, ben Mendelsohn's character Danny was apparently, if not murdered, then. What? I mean, he, I should have left a lot. Coach of lo- killed that guy basically, which is which is tough. If he wasn't already dead, Coach killed him dead. Yeah, if he wasn't, if he didn't survive that long arduous journey through the swamplands of the Florida Keys, then I mean, the boat exploded. However, what's interesting to me is I did the the press day for Bloodline back at the TCAs in January, 
And when, you know, we'd been privy to these episodes, so we'd seen them going in, and we tried to talk to each, not only the creators, but uh, Kyle Chandler and Ben Mendelsohn about this specific scene and what that meant for season two, what that meant for the rest of the season. And neither of them would even admit that he was dead. They didn't go so far to say as he wasn't, and they certainly wouldn't give us any details on what was to come after those three episodes, but they would not even confirm that what happens at the end of that first episode is actually what happens. Maybe the twist is that Ben Mendelsohn is secretly the T-1000, or was it, which one is the, which one is the Terminator that's made of liquid steel? Uh, I, I don't, I think it is the T-1000. Okay. I'm gonna, we're just both gonna Robert Patrick, he's Robert Patrick. Yeah, exactly. He could be. I, I mean, I don't put a lot of things past these guys it already i've seen three episodes it seems like the kind of show that is just ready to put any twist that it can out there Mm -hmm. all the time whenever it feels necessary and there's a few different ways that that ending could go where one somehow he survived that where they're faking his death for a very specific reason sure and then the other one is they killed him for a good reason or they hid the body for a good reason so they're not terrible people even though they've got the line where they said we're not bad people, but we did a bad thing. Right. What that thing is is still very much yet to be determined. I think yeah, I mean, that's a good point. It could not even refer to the death of the brother. It could be something completely different. Uh, the thing, the thing I find interesting about it is in comparing it to Damages, which is a show I watched almost pretty much in its entirety. Uh, that that shows from the same creators, and Damages always. Damage has always kind of lived or died by by its episode fra- by its season framework, and the best seasons in which kind of which season one is probably still the best season, but the best season like had as best seasons had like a really clear structure to them that the show played around with a lot, but led to a lot of intrigue and mystery. Uh, the first episode, the if you have never watched Damages, like the first season's great, and the thing is that. Uh, it, the the pilot at least like does such a great job of setting up like two different time frames, two different two different scenarios, and when the timelines meet up, it's actually really cool. That happens later in the season. So, the flashback flash forward structure in as going forward, how do, how does it play for you? Oh, I, I really in Bloodline. I really hated it. Um, <laughs> I I find it interesting. I knew I haven't seen Damages. I know enough about Damages that I knew that this was something they'd done before, and this was a similar construction. And what surprised me about that construction of it was that it had been done before, and that they were doing it again, and yet it felt so clunky. To me, Kyle Chandler's narration seems to come in almost out of nowhere. It doesn't seem to be applicable especially after watching a show like The Affair where you're given very specific reasons for why people are discussing something. Um, I felt that the, the, the cut backs and then the flashes forward weren't edited very well together. It wasn't a smooth edit. It was rather jarring. Mm-hmm. And it continues like that for the next three episodes at least where there's just not a lot of formal beauty to it. The mm-hmm. cinematography is gorgeous. Don't right. get me wrong. It looks fantastic. And we'll get to these actors in a second because they're just out of this world but what really holds it back for me from making Bloodline into the next great drama is just that kind of formal inefficiency like it just doesn't quite cut the mustard for me I mean if it, if it gets becomes distracting then it's you know just not working yeah, yeah it doesn't it doesn't seem to flow as well and especially after three episodes 
they take their time, which is nice. Like, I want you to be able to take your time with characters, with, with events developing, but at the same time, there's they seem to be wasting a little bit of it. Like, they seem to be stretching some things out so that they can end on this twist, or this twist can come at a certain point, or this reveal happens and makes you think something, and then you're, you're taken away on the next instant, which can work very well, but so far, for me, I haven't been utterly shocked or invested by anything. I'm almost turned off by how insular that world is. And I think, honestly, like, as good as the actors are, I kind of, you know, I don't think I really hooked into anyone mm-hmm. as, no. as, as, as a character, like, which is a problem. I mean, and it's kind of one of the dangers with ensemble pieces where you want to make sure everyone's kind of a, given a lot of material. You want to make sure it feels kind of balanced, but in the, the day, it has to be somebody's show. And I mean, it should be Kyle Chandler's show, and I I don't know if it if it if if he grabbed me. No, and the, and the thing is with Kyle Chandler is because of that construction of the first episode, John, his character, you don't know if you can trust him. He seems like kind of the good guy, and and that you know unreliable narrator is an interesting dynamic to go through, but at the same time, it keeps you from investing him and in, investing in him, and at the same time, it also he's not in it that much Mm -hmm. especially after three episodes where the second episode focuses on kevin his other brother Mm -hmm. the third episode focuses on linda carlini's character meg which is good i'm glad that they're doing that but it it keeps it from being one person show and by examining these next characters it doesn't give you more empathy for them necessarily it just kind of keeps extending that central mystery of what did you guys do Mm mm-hmm do in the flash forwards? Do uh, those characters power? Are those characters the, cent- the central th- characters in the flash forwards as well? Yeah, yeah. Just like it was for for John in the first episode, they become the focus of the of that cutting. All right. Because one question I have, I do actually plan to keep watching. Oh, absolutely. That's the other thing about the show. Like I, I may sound like I'm being very critical of it, and that's partially because I just had higher expectations. But, I, I mean, there's definitely enough there to keep watching. Yeah. Uh, but I'm really intrigued by those ugly, ugly suits. Uh, oh, yeah. That Kyle Chandler and his and, and his brother are wearing, Ben Mendelsohn. Yeah. Like, because, I mean, it's, 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 it hints at, about, at some sort of wedding. The only reason you'd wear a suit that ugly is if you were in, like, a wedding party. Yeah. Uh, so. I would agree with that. So I'm, I'm intrigued to see where that goes. Yeah, I, I honestly, that goes along with something which sounds like a very superficial complaint and is, but I didn't think they made Kyle look that good in this show. I mean, he, I mean that's he's important. a good-looking guy, and he's he's Coach Taylor, which is, you know, carries you beyond all kind of recognition otherwise. But, I, I mean, honestly, I didn't think they, they went to an extra mile to really make him look like the lead of a show. Right. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of not fundamentally what... I, I can see that being kind of a deliberate choice. It's like we're not making a fancy Hollywood thing. We're making real gritty television. Sure. But, yeah. Oh, Kyle Chandler. Yeah, I, I, I do think that the best part of the show, which is honestly what I've heard is the best part of Damages, is the acting. I think that, that all of these people are, are very much immediately Emmy's contenders. Right. Especially for me, Ben Mendelsohn. I think that he is just incredible. I've liked him for a long time now. He's He struck me first when I saw Killing Them Softly, and he just blew me away as this kind of lecherous, horrible, like, mooch who just... I mean, he's disgusting, that movie. It's really hard to watch him, but at the same time, he is so good at playing that that it becomes almost addictive. 
it becomes like you're you're stuck with this horrible friend of yours that you want to ditch but he's been your friend and you kind of have to like him and and that's the same vibe I get with this with a little more empathetic traits interjected well it sounds like the perfect fit for a black sheep brother absolutely and he was they 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 said that they offered it directly to him he didn't have to audition I'm sure they saw these roles and then that was the end of it like the place beyond the pines is another one where he's kind of he's more likable in that but mm-hmm. he's still kind of playing almost a scuzzy looked down upon person and that's what he is here and he's elevating it but I I mean I think he's just tremendous in the first three episodes alone I'd give him a nomination for sure wow I mean Damages if you Damages was a murderer's row of great talent so it's not surprising that they brought in the same level but if I, I, I'm impressed so you don't think uh, Kyle Chandler's a contender I think Kyle could be a contender. I think that race is a lot tougher to get into because I would imagine Mendelssohn would be marketed as the supporting actor and Chandler would be the lead. And granted, this year there's a few more openings because Brian Cranston's no longer eligible and Matthew McConaughey isn't going to be in there for True Detective. So you've got some spots that are open, and I think they'll push him. But what will be interesting for me is how much the Academy is willing to accept Netflix shows outside of House of House of Cards. Well, I mean, the Orange is the New Black question comes up, too, here, because, you know, it, it's not on the list of shows that... Oh, I, well, sorry, I'm stuttering myself. I'm stuttering because I'm remembering things slowly. Uh, Orange is the New Black is not yet approved as a comedy submission, but it, that decision is coming. Right. They're expecting... We're expecting probably this week, if not the next week, to hear whether or not it, it passes. And when I first saw the rules, I was, I was sure that it wasn't going to get in. But after these other three shows, which they announced this week... Shameless, Jane the Virgin, and Glee, and Glee all immediately made the cut, uh, despite being over the thirty-minute limit for comedy. Uh, uh, they've got to let Orange the New Black end now. I can't imagine they wouldn't. I, it, it, you know, it could be that those were the, those were the, you know, those were them showing that they have flexibility. But then Orange is the New Black getting slapped down. It seems a little. It would. It would seem a little crazy for me for that to happen, but. Again, I mean, it's the Emmys. They are a little crazy. No matter what, I'm campaigning for Miss Rosa for for best supporting actress. <laughs> actually, she she would actually be probably fit actually into the guest actress yeah. category as redefined because I think she's not in every episode no, of season I, two. No, I yeah, I think you're right. I think that would that would even though they have redefined those that rule book as well. I think she'd still get in there. So. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'll be interested to see how many of the Bloodline gang is able to get in. Bigger names might have a better chance, like Sissy Spacek and Sam Shepard might have a better chance of getting into supporting uh, roles or nominations than Ben Mendelsohn. But I mean, if you actually if they actually sit down to watch the show, mm-hmm. if Emmy voters can actually, you know, spend the time to invest in a new show, which is rare for them, right? Then I can't see how they'd avoid picking Mendelsohn up. Well, um, I mean, for those who get really excited about following the Emmy races, that's something to look forward to, seeing what happens there. So many of us. So many. I, I see you recovered from your, your Emmys burnout. You were a little burned out on the Emmys last week but because you finished up our prediction pages, but now you seem willing to talk about it. Yeah, it was, it was too soon for me. I, yeah. uh, I realized the need to get those prediction pages up, and it's fun to make those predictions, but at the same time, it's too soon to really get a great read on where things are going to fall. Just like immediately after the Oscars, when the Oscar nomination or Oscar predictions come out for the next year, it's too soon to really know anything. But it's still fun. So like yeah. right now, I 
I'm, I'm in a much better place. Yeah, we should. One thing we should do is we should revisit uh, a post we did back in January called about our most anticipated shows because about it, it's really only. It, I think it basically only really takes us through uh, June. There are a couple, only a couple of shows on there that are fall premieres because we don't know what the fall premieres are. Yeah. And the it's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, how 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 well we did in terms of predicting things that we actually were actually turned out to be great. Yeah, that batting average is something that's always worth revisiting just for just for self awareness as well as, you know, horrible exposure and embarrassment for the public. I know I was right about Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. That's at least what I know. That's well good. how far are you in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt now? I finished it. I'm done with it. Oh my god. Off off the grid we'll have a conver- <laughs> we can now have a conversation about episode eleven. Um, <laughs> but uh, for that, that that, that's something you guys needed to know, humble listener. Uh, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, thank you al- thank you very much for listening uh, to us. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or find us on SoundCloud uh, or find us on IndieWire.com, which, from which you have been... Now you know what our office sounds like. It's like this all the time. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, thanks to our studio audience for being so patient and wonderful. Yes, and thank you. Us well. We thank you, especially after I realized that we were about to ruin Bloodline for every single one of them yeah, who aren't wearing headphones. Um, <laughs> well, we're just gonna leave now. <laughs> yes, time to go home. Uh, thank you again. Uh, you can find Ben at uh, Ben T Travers on Twitter, and you can find Liz at Lizlet on Twitter. That's Lizlet with an I and then an E. And then an E. That's true. All right. Uh, have a great week and keep watching television. Yeah.